We're rolling. Welcome to the House Dudes Podcast, where we invite you to follow us on our journey towards financial freedom using the power of real estate. I'm Jack Haas. And I'm Josh Koth. Here at House Dudes, we believe in a couple key principles. Number one, the best way to retain information is by teaching it to others. And number two, a rising tide lifts all boats. We're not competitors, we're a community. So let's get into some real estate investing. Well, we have Jeremy Jensen on the line tonight. And Jeremy has a very unique uh, thing that's going on right now. Seven figure flipping is, is the is the YouTube channel. So make sure you check that out right off the bat because he's released a series. He's done the crazy thing. So the, that's the first thing I think we have in common, Jeremy. I mean, I already called you Jeremy. <laughs> we were just talking about that. So it's yeah, all first, that's your brother. The first thing is that we have in common, Tyler, is that you and I are a little crazy to do four flips in seven days. And you just, and you videotaped it, which is talking about showing your warts, but everybody make sure you start things off here by jumping over and subscribing to his YouTube channel, Seven Figure Flipping. But thank you for joining us here, Jeremy. Uh, let's start things off from the insane concept of doing this project. Yeah. So a year ago, we started, um, it's actually funny that we're doing this podcast at the end of August is when we're shooting it. Um, and a year ago in August, I came to my project manager and I said, hey, I want to flip a house in seven days. What does that take? What does that look like? And he pretty much told me, he's like, dude, that's impossible. You can't do that. That's crazy. Like doing a $40,000 rehab in a week is you just can't do it. Or, or there's not enough time to be able to do that. So anyways, I was like, hey, we, I think we can do it. You know, if we can control all those variables that you have in a flip, and if we could have the materials there, we could figure out our man hours, then I think we could do it. So I kind of pitched him on that. He bought the idea. And a year ago, we did our first seven-day flip. So we did a $40,000 rehab in seven days. And it was awesome. It turned out super cool. Like we, we nailed it. We really did it in six days. And the seventh day, we just we had a barbecue. We kind of hung out. We did some touch-up paint. And we knocked it out of the park. So that was a year ago. Fast forward a little bit. We did it again. We did it a second time. And we did another $40,000 rehab in seven days. And we did it again. And we just kept using it as a tool um, in our tool bag to be able to use this seven-day flip. And just to be able to control a lot of the variables, right? Like, Jack, you know that flipping a house, sometimes it takes forever, right? Like sometimes mm. you these houses and it's six months and your hard money or your interest rate is going through the roof. And so I wanted to get rid of all that and just, and just say, hey, look, you know, that Parkinson's law that we can, whatever you allow a project, whatever time you give that project is what it's going to take. And I said, I'm going to take a six-month flip and I want to turn it into seven days. What does that look like? And so we planned it. We executed. We did it a couple times. And then we did, my project manager, six months later, came to me and he's like, hey, look, we just acquired these two duplexes. They're right next door to each other. It's four complete separate flips, but I want to try it in seven days. And I was like, bro, six months ago, you were telling me it wasn't possible to do a flip in seven days. Now you're telling me we can do four in seven days? And he was pretty stoked about it, right? He was pretty bought into it. He's like, yeah, I totally think we can. The logistics are awesome. It's all really one job site, but it's four different, very distinct rehabs that we had to do. So we ran with it. I had a video crew come out and they filmed it. They were there the whole week and they kind of saw the progress. And the cool thing about our documentary, like our series, was that it was real. It's not like HGTV that everything's just sunshine and rainbows, Right. We had to deal with meth. We had to fire people. We had to deal with the city and the county. And we had all these other coronavirus was happening. We had an earthquake in Utah the same week. Like just everything that could go wrong went wrong. But it still was a really cool project that you got to see what a really high efficient flipping company looks like instead of kind of that fluff that HGTV gives you. So yeah, check it out. I'll, I'll send you the link as well that uh, maybe you can put that in the show notes or something and people can go check it out. But it's just real. Like it's real what my company is and how we're really efficient, how we found it, how we planned it, how we executed it. Um, all of those things are part of that series. So just really fun experiment, really fun project. 
Yeah, I, I, I can't commend you enough for not only tackling this, but to be so free to, to share it at that level. I mean, there's a lot, like you said, you're really up against those DIY network shows that they only show like the drama yeah, or, right? the, or the highlights, you know, you, and it's, it's amazing. You know, we've been to quite a few real estate meetups and, you know, meeting people through this and that and the other and just networking. They right. think that they can, you know, you're doing it in seven days, but as far as they, they're coming to this thinking that they can do it in 30 minutes or less. Thanks yeah. to the, thanks to these shows. And, yeah, totally. Um, I, I think it needs to be a bit more realistic. Yeah. So that's, that's what we tried to play on it, right? Is that it was just real and like you get to see you get to see there's definitely drama, but it's it's like real drama, right? It's not made up or anything like that. It's all just, hey, this really happens in a real flip, and these are problems that you have to deal with. So meth, and we had to change a furnace that we weren't planning on, and just a lot of that stuff that you just don't mm-hmm. see in kind of those shows. So we open it up and we kind of let people see what it's really like flipping houses. Right, right. So let's, let's start thing. Let's go back a little ways. Like, how did you get into this whole thing? I know you and I talked previously yeah. and it sounded like uh, you, this is really a change. You must've really made a mental shift to get into flipping houses. Yeah, totally. So I was brought up, you know, poor. We grew up on a dairy farm. I didn't have a lot of money or anything like that. So money was always a driving factor to me is how could I support my family and how can I be financially free? I just didn't know how to get there. Mm-hmm. And so the traditional route of that was to go to school, get highly educated, get a good job and go climb the ladder of corporate America. And so that's the route that I took. That's the path I kind of started. But in 2008, I started college and I was going to school and getting my degree and all of that stuff. But I knew that real estate was a way that I could have good financial freedom, right? You can make a good income in real estate. So I started doing my own flips. My dad and I started a company. It was called Pay It Forward Enterprises. And we would help people. We just wanted to pay it forward, right? And help people out of foreclosures and short sales were really popular back then. And so we started that company and we bought our first flip in 2008. And yeah, I did everything 100% by myself. So I would lay all the tile. I would do all the painting. I would do all the electrical work. I watched a lot of YouTube videos, right? And mm-hmm. asked questions on how to, to do this. And our first flip, we lost like $37,000 on. We just did everything wrong, right? We bought it wrong. We sold it too low, lower than we thought. We over rehabbed it. We just did everything wrong. And so I was like, okay, well, that was, I didn't have $37,000 to lose. That was more than I made in a year, right? I'm a young college kid and I was working full time, going to school full time. And then I said, you know what, my integrity is important. And this investor took a chance on us. So we did a a second one just so I could make our investor right. We made $39,000 on the second one. And we 100% all the profit went to the investor, we made him whole. And now we had a really bad experience, and a really good experience. And so we said, hey, look, we want to keep doing this. And we know that we've, we've had a great lesson, right? We've learned what not to do and what to do. And so we just kept going forward and moving that momentum. And, and throughout college, I would still do one or two flips a year. Um, I remember my friends would be on spring break and I'd be laying tile in one of our flip properties. So that's kind of where that side hustle kind of started. And then I started climbing the corporate ladder in you know, corporate America. I was a COO for a while. I was a business manager. You and I talked North Dakota. I've been there several times up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it came to this point that I realized in corporate America that I was trading my time for money, right? That I would go to work for 80 hours a week or whatever it was, some crazy amount, I would travel a ton. And I, I was giving up opportunity to hang out with my kids and to spend time with my wife and just really do stuff that I really wanted to do. And I realized that that corporate America wasn't for me, right? I just, I, I loved what I did and I thought it was great and it was a great experience but I knew that there was a way that I wanted to have financial freedom and freedom of time as well. And I knew that if I stayed on that career path, that I couldn't have both. And so there came a a time, um, you know, three, about three years ago that it was time I I would go to work and I felt like I was losing money. 
because I was I was doing real estate deals. We had closed on a couple properties, um, and I remember we closed on two houses. And I came home and I told my wife, I said, "Hey, look, we closed on these two houses. I want to pursue my dream. I want to I want to start my real estate business full time, and I want to quit my job." What do you think she said to that, Jack? She said, no way, right? <laughs> you've gone to school, you've got this education, you have a good income, you have benefits, 401k, health insurance. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you're crazy. also called golden handcuffs. Yeah, exactly. Right. I, I said the same thing. So I came home to my wife and she told me no. And we talked about it more and we prayed about it. We thought about it. And it just kind of said, hey, look, this is what I really want to do. She knew I was passionate about real estate. And so she said, all right, you have six months, six months to grow this business and to replace your income uh, doing real estate. So I said, great, I'll take that chance. I'll do six months. And I promised her the only thing she would notice that would be different. I was like, I'll pay us every two weeks. I'll make sure we have health insurance. The only difference is the office will be in the basement now instead of me going to the office. And we just really haven't looked back since. That was really the mind shift to me is that um, that I could do it, that it was possible, that it was something that I loved doing. And now my business is, is really good. We're, we're on track to flip 40 houses this year. And I just have a lot of people that are working for us and just kind of that really good transition that I, I have a lot of freedom now and, and I get to hang out with my kids and all sorts of cool stuff. So we have in my family, we call it fun Friday. So every Friday I do something fun with, I have three boys and every Friday we do something fun. They get out of school early on Fridays. And so I get to go hang out with them. I take, I turn off my phone and we have fun Fridays. And I couldn't have done that on that same career path that I was taking. Yeah, the money was good and the titles were good. And I, you know, I was a young COO. I did all those cool things. Um, but it wasn't what I really wanted. I had to go back and, and realize what my why was, mm-hmm. what, what drove me to be successful. And that was it hanging out with my kids and with my family. Sure. financial freedom. So, well, that that, answer to your question, but no, (laughs) that, that was awesome. That was a great, I mean, it really gives people insight as to, you know, the, the mindset that the change that has to occur. What really struck me here is, is a, a couple things. One is that Early on, you really set yourself set some sort of time frame that you're meeting, like whether in this case your wife might have set this time frame saying you have six months, but it sounds like you're doing that even with your flipping. Do you do you find that as one of your strategies that you set a kind of a tight time frame and saying we we chatted before the show that if you give something allocate a certain amount of time you're going to spend it. Yep, absolutely. So is that a strategy you really kind of stick to? Yeah, for sure. So, and Jack, you can attest to this as well, but there's really, I believe there's three pillars in flipping a house that you have to control or else you'll lose money. And those are time, which we'll talk about. You have to control the time of your flip, right? If it takes six months or a year to flip a house, like I was doing before, a lot of my profit was going to my investors. So time, budget, and quality. If you can control those three, that trifecta of time, budget, and quality, then most of the time you'll be successful in flipping houses. And so why I say that is, I'm sure, Jack, you know that you've killed budgets before, right? You say it's a $40,000 budget and it ends up being $80,000, right? That eats up all your money and all your profit. And then if your quality is bad and your quality is shady and it's subpar, you're going to reduce the price on that house and you're not going to be able to sell it. And so that, that quality is super important. And then the last thing is that time, right? The, the more efficient we can be and the quicker we can turn properties, then I can get my money back faster. I can turn on to the next deal and my money can essentially just keep doubling the quicker we can do things. Instead of it taking six months for me to do it by myself, I could do 12 properties now in six months, you know, probably more than it's more like 20 properties now because mm-hmm. that time is really important. So we Gantt chart all of our flips. If you don't know what a Gantt chart is, it's just a timeline essentially. So we take all of the steps of a rehab. So demo and utilities, roof, windows, all of that stuff. And we map it out before we even do a rehab. And we know exactly when it's going to happen. 
So I know that on this day that the electrician is going to do his rough electrical, the plumber is going to be here, the roofer is going to be on top, outside paint is going to be done. And that was really the trick. That's what one of the greatest lessons we learned in doing a seven-day flip was how do we stack all these contractors so they're not in each other's way, but we don't have dead days and they all show up to a property and nothing ticks me off more than when I'm the only one there, right? Mm-hmm. So we had to eliminate all those. And that's what we just really learned from that seven-day flip was that we had to control our time. And now we're really good at stacking contractors. So at, uh, at any of my flips, there's always two or three different crews that are working on, on this flip. And we do that just to be more efficient, to have a better return on our money, to reduce our holding costs, insurance, utilities, all of that stuff is all costs that the longer you hold a property, the less money you make. Mm-hmm. So this Gantt chart that you use, is that kind of template, a template now that you just use over and over again? Yeah. Yeah. So my project manager will fill it out on each flip. And we just, there's 17 layers that we call them job layers of every flip that happens. And if you watch our documentary on YouTube, in one of the episodes, I don't know which one it is, but we actually give you a copy of our Gantt chart so you can see what the seven-day flip looked like. And you can see that here's the 17 layers that we had. Here's the days that they had to be completed. And then we just work with our subs and with our contractors to say, hey, this day, we need you to be here on this day. This is why it's going to happen. And if you're not, and if you can't perform, then we need to know because it's going to screw everybody else up. So we need a commitment for you to be there. But yeah, the Gantt chart is just a template that we, it's just an Excel spreadsheet essentially that just maps out the whole project, whether it's a 28 day flip, which is kind of our normal flip or a seven day flip. We use that thing exclusively just to make sure that we're controlling, like I said, those three things, time, budget, quality. Sure. So if people wanted a copy of that, they would go to your YouTube channel and find your links for the seven figure flipping, your seven figure flipping channel. Sure. Seven day flip. And in one of the episodes, we give it away. So there's a link. Um, even if I think you go to sevenfigureflipping.com slash chart, I think you can find it there as well. So, sure. but it just shows you a picture of what that timeline should look like, right? Or what ours looks like, anyways. Sure. Is that really the only tool you use then? Is it like an Excel spreadsheet or do you use an online tool to, to manage all of this? Yeah. So when we first started, that's really what it is. That's really all it needed to be was just a spreadsheet. We use um, some software now that controls all of that. Um, it will come to me what we use. Yeah. We, we've used uh, something in the past. I mean, especially for people who are doing this for the first time, mm-hmm. we've found a, a tool called Asana. Yeah. Totally. We'll, and, and you can get into that for free in some of those initial initial jobs, it's a good way to assign tasks. and Absolutely. Yeah. So I know a lot of people use Asana, Monday.com. We use Noify. That's the what I was looking for. Noify does the same thing. But really, when you're first starting out, a lot of flippers, this is where they go wrong is they don't plan out their flips. They mm-hmm. just jump in and they trust a general contractor that he'll say, yeah, it'll be $30,000. Perfect. That meets my budget. But then changes happen or work orders happen or something like that happens. And it ends up being fifty or sixty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. If the flippers would just take the time and plan it out and do like so, we do a budget, a scope of work. We go through and we say, "This is what happens. This wall needs to go." We take pictures of it. This is the paint color. I have two designers on our team now that they pick out all the tile and paint colors and trim and doorknobs, and they pick out everything. And Then we take that, we build a scope of work, exactly what needs to be done. We have a good budget. We use what's called standardized pricing. So instead of getting bids from contractors, we give them the bid. So we know how much it costs, a light fixture costs, and we know how much we're willing to pay to hang that light fixture. And so instead of going and getting two or three bids, we say, hey, contractor, we're willing to pay this amount. Will you do it for this amount or not? It's not retail but we're doing a ton of properties and we'll use you on all of our jobs. So that may be, may be a little bit more advanced once you've kind of got that experience. But when you're first starting, just plan it out, go through it, look at everything that has to happen in your flip and just map it out. How much is it going to cost in materials? How much is it going to cost in labor? And then how long is it going to take? 
And I think if flippers would just take that extra time, extra two or three days that it would take you to really plan out um, a good flip, your execution is a lot easier. Mm-hmm. If you trust a GC and and let them kind of run the show, then nine times out of 10, it's going to go over budget. It's going to take longer than you thought. The quality is going to be poor and you're just going to get frustrated. So we take like on our seven day flips, we're planning these for a week before we even buy the property because we want to make sure that everything is in order. So quick example on that, how well we plan this is that we looked at, we rented a U-Haul truck for all the materials. And we we stacked the materials strategically. So day one was at the very back. So when you would open up the door, all the materials you needed were right there. They would take their stuff and go to work. All the way to day seven was at the front of the, the truck, appliances and stuff like that. So we had mapped out exactly the materials that we would need for that day. And then we loaded our U-Haul truck accordingly. So it was just super efficient. And just that's kind of the, the extent that we went to planning in order to do a seven day flip, you have to be that into the details. Mm-hmm. A lot of flippers just get in and they trust a contractor. Here's a bag of money, go flip this house. And then they, they're surprised when it takes six months and the GC isn't showing up and they're out of money and it just goes on and on. So yeah, plan your flips. Like if you don't get anything out of this, make sure that you take the time, take an extra day or two, really plan it, get a good scope of work that time budget quality, make sure you control those three factors. And then most of the time, the your flips will be pretty successful if you can control those three things. Hmm. So, you know, I, I guess we're kind of going backwards at, into our, our discussion here. It's kind of a nice yeah. change. So, you know, you're, you're going into this and in your, the lessons that you learned on that first flip, one uh, of them was that you, you bought it wrong. How, yeah. What what's your buying strategies now, especially dealing in our current environment? Yeah, so for us, we want to make sure that, and that was a, one of the best lessons learned. Right, is that we just didn't know what we didn't know. So we're a lot more skilled. I'm not afraid to ask questions now. We ask for help. I joined a mastermind group that I'm a part of that can that really just opened up my eyes to what's possible. So I, I have people that I can ask questions to, mm-hmm. but our buying criteria now is that we want to make sure that our investors get paid. So they're kind of that lifeblood of our business. They put in a lot of capital. We have millions of dollars in capital right now with other people's money. And we just want to make sure that we treat that like grandma's money. And so our buying criteria is we want to make sure that regardless of what happens to the economy, an election, a, coronavirus, a pandemic, uh, uh, whatever it is, right, that we still have enough margin to be able to, um, to be able to make our investors whole. And so we're looking at, you know, we want that 25 to 30% margin after all of our costs. Um, that's what we're buying properties for now, even though it's a little bit more competitive, we're still pretty conservative on the properties that we buy, because we want to make sure that if something happens, that we want to make sure that we're at least making our investors whole and we're still making it worth our time that we put into flipping this house. So Mm -hmm. we like that 25 to 30% margin at the end after all of our costs are done and we just stay away from the skinny deals. I know that I've been in that place that I just wanted a deal and Mm -hmm. we were going to make five or 10 grand on it. And that five or 10 grand, as you know, goes away really quickly, right? If you find something that you didn't plan on or it Mm -hmm. takes a little bit longer or something, and then you start losing money. So our goal is to never lose money on any flip. We want to make sure that we do it right. And we're, we're really conservative that way. So even with the, the market, how it is now, a lot of the times we'll be a lot more conservative. And then our houses are pushing ARV and, and they're going over what we expected, which is great. That's just gravy on top. And that goes straight to our bottom line. But yeah, we're just being really really conservative on what properties we're buying. So, yeah, no, one of the things that I've definitely learned over the, over the years we've been doing it is that, you know, you're talking about millions of dollars that you're working with, but especially when you're starting out, uh, you, you could potentially put yourself in a missed opportunity situation too, because you can only deal with one property at a time or what have you. And you just want that deal so bad that you, you jump on it. The margins are thin. 
win if you would have just waited a little bit longer and been a little bit more choosy. Um, you, there could have been something now that you've missed out on. Yeah, now your cash is deployed in a bad deal, and it's just a lot harder to to do. I totally agree with you. 100%. Yeah. So um, that first deal, when you said you were uh, basically wrong on the the comparables, and the and you ended up selling it for less. What do you what do you do now? Like uh, how how's that due diligence look? Yeah, when so you, I, have, I have a team that we've created that we we just have all these metrics in place. That so I have acquisition guys that their job is to go and just find the properties and vet them. And through a lot of training and stuff, I I trust them now. So a lot of these properties I don't even go and see. Like I, I still haven't seen a lot of our houses now, um, but I trust them. They they know what to look for, and we're really aggressive on what we're comping these properties for. And then, like I said, if we can push the ARV and we're selling it, which we're seeing in our market now is that we'll comp it. We just did a property that we comped at 160, right? Mm -hmm. And first time home buyer house in our market. So for 160 and we pushed the ARV, we had it under contract for 210. We're like, there's no way it's going to appraise for 210. And it appraised for 200, right? We were planning on selling it for 160. And that's just how we're really conservative on our properties. If we can push that ARV, then great. But we're not planning on, yeah, if I would have come into that deal and said, yeah, we're going to make $210,000, then I wouldn't have done the deal that way. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times we push that ARV and we think it's going to, oh, yeah, it'll sell. We'll get multiple offers. We'll do you know, all those things. And we count on that, that as part of our deal. Then we're just pushing that ARV. And it's just becoming a worse deal. So we want to be conservative on our after repair. So your buy is your floor, right? Where you mm-hmm. buy it, super important. That's the foundation of our house. Then you have your three pillars, time, budget, quality, and then your roof to that house is the ARV. If you have those five metrics kind of all in line, then you'll make money. It's a profitable deal. So make sure you kind of control those five things. Sure. So, you know, one of the things you, you, you've talked about time and, and, qual- and quality and budget and a few other things here now, but talk to the importance on sticking to that budget. You know, you and I, we chatted before the call about how our, my, our personal strategy has changed a lot regarding, regarding this, but talk to that. I mean, we, we've already alluded to the concept of, uh, we call it rehab creep. I mean, it things can get away from you really fast, and it will nickel and dime you to no profit. Yeah. How do you how do you keep that budget in line? Yeah. So it's really putting accountability on my project manager and onto our contractor. So, and then we have to make those tough decisions, right? We want that pushback from our contractor. Well, do you want this accent wall or do you want tile in the kitchen instead of laminate? Right. Like those are kind of the things that we'll trade back and forth for. But it's just really setting that high expectation up front with our our contractors, right? Here is the budget. And it's having that standardized pricing that we use that we already know that, yeah, you're going to be profitable on this. Um, this is a fair price for you. That way we can go in and I can say, okay, we I know that we pay $110 to install a door just in labor. And I'm like $73 on a door frame, right? So mm-hmm. you know that I'm 180 bucks per door. So if I can go through and I can count every door and I can say, okay, 180 doors or 180 bucks times 10 doors, I know that I'm $1,800 in doors. And that helps us a ton because we already know what that cost is. And so that helps us a lot to just control our budget. We're not guessing, we're not um, changing anything like that. We say, hey, this is what it is. We know that our contractor agreed to this price and this is how much our materials are. And that changes, right? You've got to really pay attention to that because I remember a month ago we were buying two by fours for a buck eighty, and now they're almost six bucks, right? So now our strategy has changed. We have to make sure that if we're going to use a two by four, we got to plan for a six dollar two by four, not a two dollar six by four or two by four. So that's really important. Is just knowing your numbers. If you're a first time uh, flipper and you're flipping a house, go and spend a couple hours at Home Depot. And just really get a good understanding of pricing and costing and work with the pro desk or whatever it is and take notes. I remember on my first couple of flips, I spent three or four hours just writing down SKUs 
And this was before, you know, all the, they had it online and you could check it out that way. I would just go and handwrite, okay, this is how much a, a kitchen faucet is. And this is how much a doorknob is. And this is how much all of that is. So then I would have a general idea of what it should cost. Mm-hmm. And then I would ask those contractors, well, how much would you, how much are you going to charge me? Oh, it's $300 for a sink faucet. Okay, well, could you do it for 200 uh, Yeah, we'll do it for 200 because you'll give us four houses or whatever, right? And so we would just negotiate that with the contractors. But really important, if you're, if you're just starting flipping houses, you kind of need to know you're a construction company. So you need to understand kind of those construction costs. And that's, how, that's what we do to try and avoid that rehab creep is that we're making decisions that we know are going to sell the house and that are going to add value. And we're taking away a lot of those ones that we don't feel like will add value. So kitchen and master bath, we spend the money there, right? We're doing one or two, we call them wow factors. We want an accent wall. We want a nice mantle on a fireplace. We want a nice chandelier or something like that. Those are okay. But if you have too many wow factors, then that's when that rehab creep starts to come in, right? That you want everything to be perfect and everything to be just this luxury house that you're, you're doing finishes for a half a million dollar house, but your house is only worth 200,000. Then that's when you're going to start going over your budget. Base your rehab to the comps and look at what's selling. What, what do you want your house to be? And then just be really careful not to have that rehab creep come in. Mm-hmm. No, this is like, I hope people are taking notes on this episode. You're, you're really giving a lot of valuable information here, especially when it comes to the rehabbing houses. There's, there's so much appeal for people seeing these DIY, DIY network, first time flippers, you know, it, it's, it's attractive to, for people to get into this and, more times than not, I, I'm always afraid that uh, they usually don't know what they're getting themselves into. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah, and so just be careful. DIY is great, right? But you got to look at what your time and your, what's your time and your effort worth. You know, yeah. like I you, know you, you bring up time too. That, that, that is a really good point. A lot of people do a lot of this work on their own and they don't put a value on, the, on their own time when they're doing yeah. the rehab. Yeah, I was probably making $10 an hour when I was doing all the rehab myself, right? Because I was there at late at night, I was installing my own toilets, I was doing tile. And my time spent was not the profit I made on the back end wasn't worth the time that I put into it, right? I could have gone and worked just a different job and made $10 an hour. But now it's a lot more than that, because I have people who are really good at what they do. And their time is they, I can pay them $10 an hour and I'm going to make 20 or 50 or whatever dollars an hour, right? Because now I'm just using to their efficiencies. So you're, yeah, it just takes a lot of time, right? And that's okay. I'm not not discouraging that because I've been there, done that. I've painted a lot of houses and laid a lot of tile that I didn't know how to do, but it was just a good serving in the trenches, right? It was a good education for me, but it's a lot of hard work too. So you got to, that's the trade that you have to get. Right. You know, you've brought up the standardized pricing a few times. How long did it take you to figure that all out? Like what those standardized pricing was for each of these? I mean, that's got to be a lot of detail. Yeah. It was just really honing down with my contractors. Right. And I would get two or three bids for an electrician and they would all be different. And so I would go and ask those questions. Hey, well, why is your, why is yours $2,000 more than this guy's? Oh, well, this guy didn't count for this. And this guy didn't do this. And I have 37 vans that I have overhead and I have to pay for. So I have to charge you more money. And I just asked a lot of those questions and I really just built good relationships with our, our contractors, right? I've been through a ton of bad contractors. So I've lost tens of thousands of dollars with bad contractors. Mm-hmm. But I found some really good ones too. And I lean on those guys and say, hey, look, it's really important to me that you're profitable, right? I don't want to take advantage of you. I want to help feed your kids. I want to do all of that. But at the same time, I'm not going to pay retail um, that a, an average homeowner would pay because I'm doing this in a high volume thing. And so if you'll work with me on this price and you'll do a door instead of for $200, you'll do it for $100, then I can give you more volume and 
use that, you know, I'll keep you busy. I'll pay you every Friday. All the things that are important to these contractors, we try and make that happen, right? They, they, most of these guys just want to swing a hammer. They don't want to go and be a marketing company and do sales and find the next job. They just like being craftsmen. And so we said, hey, look, we'll make sure that you always have a job that will pay you every Friday. We'll, you know, we'll make it really easy to work with us. We're awesome to work with. And is that important to you or would you rather go out and hunt and kill your own food, right? And a lot of people, a lot of these guys would say, yeah, you know what? I'll take a little bit less because you're going to help us out. And I know that you're going to pay us. And I know that you're going to do what you say you're going to do. And we've just built that really cool relationship. So it was, it was that, that's the first key is to build a good rapport and a good relationship with your subs or your GCs. And then that second step is don't be afraid to ask, right? Like I didn't understand, well, why, why do we have to do it this way? How much is it? Why are you charging me 50 bucks for a can light? Well, this is why. Okay, well, if I buy the can light at Home Depot for 12 bucks, could we do it for 40 instead of 50, right? And I would buy the materials or just stuff like that. So yeah, it's t- and it's it's never finished, right? You asked how long it takes. We're we're still doing it now because mm-hmm. like I mentioned before, the cost of lumber is going up and coronavirus has had a, finding appliances for us is really difficult now. So there's just a lot of things that we have to adapt and change. So that's a constantly just evolving process. But I have really good people that I trust that are giving me good feedback that they're saying, hey, look, you know, materials are going up. So we got to charge a little bit more. But this is going down. Tile's easy. We bought this pallet at a clearance sale and we can charge you less for that pallet. So just a lot of that stuff, it's always changing, but it's really good to know where we're at and how much things like that are costing us. So mm-hmm. just paying good bookkeeping, right, is a part of that and just good relationships and, and don't be afraid to ask questions. Yeah, it's, it's always amazing too. Like uh, people, I don't know if it's, there's, there's a, that's a mindset thing too. Just ask, asking those questions. A, a lot of people are out there to, they're more than willing to give that information to help you out. Totally. And just say, hey, look, I'm new. I need your help. Most people are willing to help you and just say, hey, well, I don't understand your bid. Like, tell me, tell me why you're charging me $50 a can. Does it cost that much? Like, what's your profit? Are you making $45 in profit? Like, I'm okay with paying that. If $50 is a fair rate, then great. I want to pay you that $50, but I just want to know why. Why does it, how did you come up with your numbers? And once you kind of understand what they're thinking, then it's a lot easier to say, oh, okay, cool. Well, what if you can make $30 on it and do all the cans in every house? And they're like, yeah, great. That would be awesome. I'm going to make just as much money and I don't have to go out and find it. So, do you find any of these uh, contractors getting a little defensive? You asking these type of questions? No, not, sometimes they will. Or, well, it's none of your business how much I'm making. Well, it is my business because I need to make sure that, that we, it's a win for both of us. And I always tell my project manager that we hire the person, not the position. So I want to make sure that person fits with our culture, that they understand the importance of quality, that they understand why we have a budget, that they understand the big picture of what we're trying to accomplish. And once we hire that person that's a right fit, we can teach them the intricacies of laying tile or of whatever that is, right? But we really want that person who has buy-in that wants to create a win for both of us. Because if, if it's just me and I'm trying to create a win for me and trying to screw the contractor, they're going to know that. And I'm going to know that vice versa as well, right? I'm going to know if they're going to take advantage of me. And so it's just creating that win-win relationship. And yeah, you get pushback. Like we brought our seven-day flip up to our contractors. You know how many contractors told us no? Tons, right? They're like, mm-hmm. no way. I'll do it. You, that's stupid. That's, what a terrible idea. Why would you ever even think that was possible? And so we had to find the right guys that were, yeah, you know what? The more we talk about this and the more they got bought in and we created that synergy, they're like, yeah, totally. We could do a seven day flip. No worries. That's easy. Let's do four in seven days. You know? So that's really what it came down to. It's just creating that really good culture and being a good leader and saying, Hey, look, I, I want you to win. It's so important for me to win because if you win, then I win. Let's, how do we make that work together? So it's really interesting that you've really, kind of sidestep having a general contractor. And I mean, a lot of people, they really rely on those general contractors, but 
yeah, I, I have to be frank. I mean, more times than not, a GC has usually cost us more money yeah. than, uh, than having a tighter control on it ourselves. So yeah. you basically are handling all the individual, you're essentially the general contractor. Yeah, so I'm not, but I have a project manager and then we have three general contracting crews. So we have three crews that are doing our flips all the time now. I didn't start out that way, right? When I first started, I would partner with a GC or I would do it myself. Um, we would joint, I've joint ventured with GCs. I've done all sorts of relationships with these guys. And then eventually I just said, hey, you know what? I could be a GC and I'll just sub it all out. So I've done it that way. Um, but yeah, now we have our project manager and then we have three crews that they just, you know, they fit in our system, they fit in our culture and we just, we use, we leverage them, right? We want to make sure that they win and they can feed their families, but we're getting a price that not a lot of people would get if they were retail or, or stuff like that. So mm -hmm. I know the seven day flip thing is kind of, uh, something for YouTube right now, but are you genuinely doing this on a consistent basis now or what is what is your time frame typically looked like for your flips yeah so a normal rehab for us is 28 days so we made a, a goal in the first of the year that we wanted to list a house every nine days and so every nine days we wanted to put a new property on the market and so in order to do that we had to kind of tighten all of our things and then corona happened and it kind of screwed that timeline up a little bit just because we had to push the pause button for a minute um, but yeah, that was our plan. We were on track to hit that. We're back on track to do that now. Um, but yeah, it's just really working with that timeline like we talked about, right? So 28 mm -hmm. days of a normal flip and we, we stack those out strategically. So every we, we know it's going to take us 28 days. Nine days later, I want the next property to finish. And then mm -hmm. Nine days later, I want the next one to finish. And by the time they're there, our third one is done. Our first one is going back and finishing theirs, right? So we're just continually moving these properties forward. So, sure, yeah, 20, 28 days is a normal rehab for us. Sometimes, depending on the scope of work, it takes a little bit longer than that. But we like to be in and out of these properties as quick as we can. Sure. Have you you asked me this question at the beginning yeah. when we were? Yeah. What? How, how have you been handling the FHA requirements? Uh, yeah, associated with flipping them so quickly. Yeah, so we deal with that a lot, right? Because that's who our target market is, is we're, we're selling these houses um, to these first-time home buyers. And we run into that issue and we will accept FHA offers, but we're very, we're disclosing up front, hey, look, we'd love to sell you this house. We're going to run into some seasoning issues. So what we've done with a few of these flips that we've had that wanted to go conventional, we'll either reduce our purchase price and help them go conventional and say, Hey, look, we have these amazing lenders that we work for. They're going to help you get a conventional loan. If you want to go that route, we'll help you with the down payment or reduce the cost or we'll do whatever, right. To help you go to conventional. And if that doesn't work, then we're just redoing contracts. So on day 90, we'll change, we'll get a new contract and say, Hey, look, we, we've got to have a new contract on day 91. And then in the meantime, we want you to get your financing and appraisal, get all your due diligence done, all of that stuff. So we do a new contract on day 91 and day 93 or four for closing on the property. Mm -hmm. So we, we still work with those kind of, you know, there's a lot of options that we can give to our buyers, but we just want to make it a win for them. And we're saying, hey, look, we flipped this house really fast, um, but know that it's going to take us a little bit of time to close. We're giving you a great house. It's an awesome property and we want to make it right with you. Just know you got to be a little patient with us. So most people are great with that. So mm -hmm. no, well, you know, I, I warned you, I, I typically told you that we talk for like 30 minutes and we're closing in on like that hour. I, I, I warned you. Uh, that's me. It's my fault. I, I love real estate. I love talking about it. I know you do too. So when you get two of those people together, we could talk all day. So, well, that's exactly it. So is there anything that we should have covered that you can think of that maybe I just didn't ask you? Yeah, just one thing um, that we haven't really talked about is, is getting help where you need it, right? So one of the biggest game changers in my business and in my life was joining a mastermind group. Mm -hmm. So a mastermind group, the seven-figure flipping, it's a mastermind group. It's some of the top house flippers and wholesalers in the country. And I needed people like that 
to help me see what was possible, to see my real potential. So I have a saying that it's hard to fly with eagles when you're surrounded by turkeys, right? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. I really I was surrounded by turkeys for a long time. The naysayers and people telling me that I couldn't do it, that why are you quitting your job? That's stupid. Like, why would you do that? You went to all this college and got this education and, and just a lot of these people who are turkeys, right? That they, they can't mm -hmm. fly. And I needed to surround myself with eagles. And so I joined this mastermind group and it has been a game changer for me because now they kind of broke that ceiling of what I thought my potential was. And guys like Mike Simmons that I know that you know, and he's a good friend of both of ours, that he's a part of this group. And he has been a great mentor to me saying, hey, Tyler, why couldn't you flip a house in seven days? I think it's awesome. Go for it. Right. Where before all the turkeys were telling me that I couldn't do that. And so find a mentor, find someone that you can learn from or that you can help grow someone who's lifting you up and that will change your business as well. Whether it's a free podcast or whether it's other resources, or if it's someone in your market that's flipping houses, find someone that is going to inspire you and lift you up and help you be better. And as Tony, Tony Robbins says it, he says, turn decades into days. How do I turn those decades of experiences from guys like you and guys like Mike Simmons and all these other people, how do I turn their decades of experience into days for me so I can learn from their mistakes and I can, I can grow just as fast, if not faster than uh, them. So finding a mentor is super important. And then also we, we haven't talked a, a little bit about flip hacking live as well. Like that's right. where all these people are. Um, and we can talk more about that if you want, but yeah, absolutely. In fact, I, I kind of that's you're kind of leading right into it. You know, I, I wanted to talk and spend a little time on that flip hacking live. I mean, it, it sounds like a great opportunity for people. Um, where where do they find information on that? And can you kind of give a little what what would they expect at something like yeah, that? Yeah, perfect. So, little backstory on that. Uh, let's see, three three years ago, I went to flip hacking live, and it's a three day event with the best house flippers and wholesalers in the country, guys that are doing hundreds of deals, flipping houses in seven days, whatever it is that they're really good at. And they open up their businesses for three days. You can ask them questions. We talk about how we find deals, how we negotiate deals, how we sell deals, build buyers lists, anything that you need in your business, we talk about at Flip Hacking Live. So three years ago, I went, I sat on the front row, I took a ton of notes and I implemented and a year later, I was speaking on stage, right? We had done a seven-day flip. I was growing my business, um, and it was awesome. So last year, I spoke at Flip Packing Life. This year is going to be even better. I'm talking about um, rehabbing houses and how to make more money and how to turn your time faster and make your cash just 20 times your income of what it is now. And all of those cool things happen at Flip Hacking Live. So how maybe I'll, I'll send you the link as well, Jack, and you can maybe put it in the show notes. But mm -hmm. it's October 15th uh, through the 18th, and it's an incredible event. Bill Allen is a great friend of mine. He runs the whole thing. He brings in just powerful speakers. Jocko Willink was there last year. Uh, Walter Bond, he's the number one motivational speaker in the country right now. He was there last year. And you just have a ton of cool real estate guys that are real people just like me who started from the bottom up and have grown these uh, amazing real estate businesses. And you get to take advantage of that. You get to be in the room with the Eagles instead of surrounded by the turkeys and people who are telling you that you can't. You're in a room full of people that have broke that four minute mile, like a seven day flip for us was that four minute mile. And we're teaching people how to do it now, right? How to how to flip a house in seven days. If you really want to know how to do it, I'll teach you. I'll, I'll give you everything that you need, my budgets, my Gantt chart, uh, whatever it is that I can help you be successful. That's what we want to do. So incredible event. If you haven't been, look into it. It's just amazing. So that's my plug for Flip Hacking Live, I guess. Now, and, and I'll definitely make sure to include those links in the show notes. And for everybody that uh, hasn't checked it out already, uh, Mike Simmons was on our show. Uh, actually, we had to split up because uh, just like you, we I, had, I talked to Mike for quite a while. So it's in two parts, episodes 165 and 166. And we actually talked and focused on mentorship, mindset, and motivation. So it's a very, very good uh, two-part series. So definitely check that out. 
I can't thank you enough. I mean, this has been a fantastic episode. Uh, if people haven't gotten some value out of this, uh, there's something wrong. But I did want to call out a few things that you brought up. I uh, yeah. love your three pillars of flipping, time, budget, and quality. I'm sure you go even in further in detail on your YouTube channel, which was the seven-figure flipping, and on your, on your webpage, which is sevenfigureflipping.com, right? Yeah. You have a and podcast my- of your own as well, or do you, is it just the YouTube channel? Just the, I'm part of that YouTube channel. Look at the seven day flip is what it's called. That's the series sure. on that channel. And then, yeah, if they want to reach out to me, my company is called Utah House Flip. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, uh, reach out to us, come to Flip Hacking Live. I'll be there. You can have one-on-one with me if you want to. It's all virtual. Um, so you can set up a room with me. We can set up a meeting time. We can meet one-on-one, ask questions, uh, mentor, whatever you need. Uh, yeah, Tyler Jensen on Facebook, Utah House Flip uh, on Facebook and Instagram. So that's how you can get a hold of me. That's that's awesome. And like I said, please check the show notes. We'll have that listed there, sure. including uh, links to that Gantt chart. I think people are chomping at the bit to get a hold of that. Cool. cool. I'll um, make sure I send it to you. Well, I appreciate that. Um, but uh, thank you again. And you, you again, you you gave me like an hour of your time. I know how busy you are. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries, Jack. And thank you so much for having me. Like, honestly, I really appreciate it. I'm honored to be on your show. I know that you're making a huge impact. And so I'm just humbled to be a small part of it. So, well, thank you again, Tyler. And I hope we can chat again sometime. For sure. We've put a lot of effort into providing useful content, and if you've found value in the show and have any interest in supporting us with a small donation, head over to patreon.com slash housedudes. And if you have any thoughts or questions, shoot us an email at info at housedudes.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at housedudes. And if you like what you're hearing, head over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It really helps other investors out there find the show. And remember... Massive positive impact requires massive positive action. We'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by housedudes.com. Do you have time to actively manage flipping and rentals yourself? If so, go for it. If you live in a market that won't cash flow or don't have the time to do all the work, are you just out of luck? If there was a way to participate more passively, would that appeal to you? I'm sure you have questions about how the process works and what to do next. If that's the case, fill out the form on housedudes.com investors, and we'll reach out to see if you are a good fit for our business. This is first come, first serve, and we will have to stop taking applications when our goals are met. See you at housedudes.com investors. Tell a man what to do with his money, but if you ain't investing in property, then you're dumber than a dummy. I'm not dumb. I'm smart. Well, buy property. That's my advice.